Welcome to a new episode of Trump Watch Sussex, where we talk about all things Donald Trump and try to put the Trump administration into deeper context. Today we're going to be focusing on the student experience um, during the Trump era, and I have with me four Sussex um, final year students who spent last year in the United States at various United States universities um, studying, and we're going to be thinking about what it's like to be a British student studying abroad in America during the era of Trump. Joining me is Sophie Clark, who spent last year at Berkeley, Daniel Parker, who was at Boulder, Colorado, Matilda Voyak, who spent her year at Oregon State, and Olivia Grimes, who was at Roosevelt University in Chicago. So you were there during the beginning of Trump's administration at um, this very charged time in America. And I was just wondering kind of just what you noticed generally about what were people talking about, kind of what um, anxieties that you noticed, um, what seemed to kind of be going on from your perspective. And obviously you're spending a lot of your time on a university um, campus, um, but what did you notice? I think for me, my experience at Berkeley was perhaps different if in comparison to maybe the average Berkeley experience because I lived in a cooperative and it was a very liberal place, um, had a lot to do with like social justice and it's aimed at low income students and there's a lot of people of colour there. So it's a completely different experience, I think, than to like Berkeley in general. So people were very in touch with issues about race and about discrimination, about gender equality. And they were really great at like relating that to um, the current events, but also making sure that it was a safe space for people at a time like that, making sure that even though people had these anxieties that they could be in the co-ops and feel like that was a, a space where they were safe, I guess. Um, but I don't think that is the case in Berkeley as a whole, really. I think I was very lucky with that experience. Yeah, I would agree. So the, the university I was in had a lot of, well, one, it was very small. There was, I think, maximum 5,000 students. Um, we were right in downtown Chicago. It was sort of one building right on the street, off, on the middle of the um, like area of downtown Chicago. And it was a lot of um, like students of colour, more, more so than white students. And the, the ethos of the school itself was very focused on social justice. That was their sort of thing that they really prided themselves on. So it was interesting because there was lots of student organizations that really sort of strived to fight against things that were not just Trump issues, but also had been heightened under Trump. So like they had a lot of student organiza organizations against gentrification and these sorts of issues that have always been around, but with the Trump administration, I think people's anxieties around it were heightened that it was it was really interesting and like cool to be in a school that really pushed that as their sort of ethos um I found that was like super interesting and I don't think very common in a lot of the place the universities in the states in general um at Boulder for me I felt like on campus especially there was a real battle between um 
the powers that be at the university and the students themselves to try and find a balance between where free speech is and trying to get everyone's views heard on campus. Um, there were definitely a lot of kind of it's a, it's a hyper liberal sort of town and there was a lot of you know anti-Trump marches etc that were going on but I know I saw the university were very conscious of not it not being too far on the left and, and the right were given their space definitely um, a few I think it's called Turning Point USA um, were a big uh, sort of student organisation there that had a few big speeches and invited a few pretty controversial um, figures to campus so I quite like that personally. I thought there was definitely a conscious move from the campus itself and the university to make it feel pretty balanced there. Um, but with Boulder being quite a hyper-liberal town and you know Colorado itself being, um, it was definitely interesting to see the battle between the two in such a volatile time. Thank you all. So I'm just wondering, kind of as you were talking kind of with American students, um, getting to know them, what you learned about kind of their experiences kind of what people were talking about, um, if people were kind of, their lives were kind of directly being affected um, in any ways um, by kind of the new administration. Um, so for me, I found it really interesting because a lot of the white students that I met who sort of lived in the suburbs of Chicago, they have, were not very politically engaged. They hadn't, I think most of them hadn't voted in the presidential election. And even though they said they didn't like Trump, they also weren't particularly bothered by it. It didn't really affect them. They hadn't voted or anything like that. Whereas all of the students of colour who I spoke to were very, very politically engaged. Um, all of them had voted in the election if they were able to. And um, we would have some like class discussions that were really interesting, but really, really charged. And everyone was engaged and they could get quite like angry and quite... Uh, volatile but it was a lot of people who had always known about these issues in their personal sense of what was going on in their own lives but with the Trump administration had kind of started to see how it was all connected and how it was this much bigger issue and there was a couple new organizations that were started within the school to kind of tackle these things for what they felt were underrepresented students so it was interesting to see on campus itself the white students they weren't that bothered because I think I don't think many of their lives had they weren't being threatened by this administration in the same way and they weren't very engaged whereas all the uh, like the latin students and the african-american students were really really they were angry and they were scared and they were really they were going for it trying to sort of make sure that they were all safe and that it was a safe space for them all to be in so that was interesting i thought I, i'd echo that to the part you talk about a lot of the the wealthier white students for me at Boulder, I saw a lot of apathy regarding politics and political involvement, which which confused me a bit. I think I'd want to be as involved in politics as I could in such a time in America. And the amount of ap apathy I saw on campus toward what was going on, especially from the, the wealthier white students, which I'm sure you saw at Chicago, was, was strange for me. Um, I thought I'd see a lot more act activism on campus, to be honest. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I'm just going to mirror what they said really is very similar that um the people who were directly kind of threatened by the administration so latinx people african-americans they were the ones who were most engaged and actually you know being you know actually doing something whereas i think there was a kind of tendency to do a lot of kind of slacktivism as such especially at a place that is very you know quote-unquote liberal such as berkeley 
um, you know, there's this whole idea, you know, the free speech movement was born there, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there are a lot of people that have become very complacent, especially white people, um, you know, and they'll, they'll share an article on Facebook and, you know, like, oh gosh, this is awful. But then the people who, in my experience there, the people who were directly affected by such things were the ones who were actually getting out there and doing things. And Sophie, I, I believe you were you were saying that kind of there were some people who lived um, in your co-op who were actually kind of directly kind of affected um, by the Trump administration um, policies as well. Is that right? Yeah. So um, we it was really educational for me being in the co-ops in a number of respects. We had all sorts of workshops and stuff which weren't just interesting, like they were necessary. And one of the things that we had was, um, there was a big focus about what to do if ice knock on your door. And because, as I said, the co-ops are very much a thing for low-income students and people of colour, there is the risk that that the co-ops would be targeted because they're perhaps more likely to have undocumented people living there. And there had been a few cases of the co-ops being directly targeted because ICE knew this and they would use all sorts of measures. They would even dress up as Amazon delivery guys. Um, so we had a whole workshop about what to do. And basically, if you open the door, then that is you consenting to them coming into your house, even if they've done it by using some kind of ruse. And so we had to learn what to do because, you know, living in a house of 40 people you don't know what everyone's status is it's not your right to know what everybody's status is it's none of your business but you could be complicit in this if you do open the door to somebody even if it's an accident it could still really really affect someone's whole entire life it could infect, affect their whole family so we had to do things like we had a peephole so um, we'd have to look through there um, we went through a phase where some Amazon deliveries like just by default they were left on the doorstep um, if someone was coming to see a friend then we were like you've got to call your friend and you've got to go down look at the peephole open the door if it is your friend so things like that and it seems like extreme measures but extreme things are being done to target undocumented people so we had to do all that we could to protect these people and you know I don't know who was undocumented in my house if there was anybody but like I said it was it's none of our business it's we've just got to all just support those people so I'm wondering if it sounds like there was definitely kind of conversations about all of this um, outside of class were you talking about politics or uh, what what was going on um, in American politics in your classes as well at all uh, we definitely were. I I took a couple of classes like the psychology of racism, so it definitely came up in that. And it was say there was about twenty five of us in that class. I think two or three of us were white, and everyone else was a person of color, which is quite refreshing. And actually, it's much more beneficial to have uh, majority minority students in a class like that. And so most of our discussions ended up centering around Trump, especially because the school. Roosevelt itself was so focused on social justice a lot of the professors were also very uh, interested in that and sort of strove towards that so we would learn a lot about their personal political affiliations and uh, would discuss Trump a lot and I had like I, I took a class on uh, Latin America and we had uh, people from the community come in from the um, Latin American uh, area of Chicago come in and give us talks about what we could do if we wanted to help and just general information so we definitely it came up in 
pretty much every class that I took some way or another. I think because also every day uh, a new story about Trump and what he wanted to do or something controversial that he had said, a sort of story broke every day, it felt like. So even if it was just discussing it in terms of what he had, a tweet that he'd sent in the news, it always managed to come up one way or another, I found. In any, I took, took a few political science classes and uh, one was on foreign policy, so I guess less directly associated with race. But like you just said, there was always a day or a week event that Trump had tweeted something, he'd said something, a policy had been passed that was, you know, on the scale of other presidents, pretty controversial, and that would always come up in class. Um, I don't know if, how everyone else experienced this, but for me, it felt like everyone was really treading on eggshells. Um, didn't want to say something too left or too right or too this or too that, just because the political climate felt so well, I've said a few times quite volatile and professors especially and students speaking up about these issues were very on edge about what to say so I feel like a lot of what people said might have been on the line of what they, their point but perhaps wasn't as aggressive or as big as they would have liked it to be because of you know being careful of people yeah I think it very much depended on your professor so I did a foreign policy class as well and most of that was very very historical you know like 1800s and 1900s but our professor was really hot on bringing in contemporary stuff so if something had happened he would mention it at the beginning whereas I took another class and it was a Native American studies class which I absolutely loved but I didn't really learn anything about natives under the Trump administration when that could have been a really important and relevant thing to talk about so I think it really did depend on the professor but I think Daniel's got a really good point there about how at the end of the day like it is their jobs like that's how they're making their living and you know you we can't really like say that much about what the climate is in terms of like the university administration because we'd only be speculating like we don't know like that is a kind of climate of fear because this is people's like this is their well-being like this is their how they earn their money thank you all so we've already been talking about this but i'm just wondering kind of if there's anything additional that kind of you noticed about race um, in America and um, thinking, for instance, um, about um, incarceration, which has been kind of some, an issue kind of during um, the Trump administration um, or obviously kind of the Muslim ban, any of these kind of other issues that are kind of really um, focused on race. So um, similar, I went, I moved to Chicago for a while and I just was so shocked. You've, you said already, Olivia, that um, how segregated the city was you could go from one block to the next block and it'd be you'd be the only white person and you'd be um there'd be no black people it it was crazy um for example the university of chicago is on the south side and it's like one of the most prestigious universities i think in the country um like largely white um student body but you could go there for four years, get your degree, and not see a single black person, but it's like surrounded by the poorest, um, most marginalized people. Uh, it's just scary to see that these people are living um, alongside one another, but never interact and never seen anything like it, really. I saw quite those similar kind of harsh boundaries between black and white. Um, Detroit was a bizarre place. I've got, I had family there, so I visited. I'm not sure I would have gone out my way to go there, but it was quite a nice place. Um, but you could see where the sort of white neighbourhood began and the black neighbourhood began. You know, the grass would have been mowed. There'd be streetlights would be lit up in the white area and then you'd go across a block into the 
the black neighborhood and and that that wouldn't be the case so I don't know if anyone else saw something similar but like Chicago and Detroit the the boundaries between black and white seemed really obvious and it was quite frightening thank you all so I'm wondering kind of what you noticed about kind of media while you were there were you kind of constantly following the news were you was there a point where you were just kind of done and you needed to take a break did people around you kind of other students on campus seem to really be paying attention to the news I guess it sounds like or perhaps it varied um quite a bit I watched quite a lot of telly out there so I was I was watching a lot of the news and the one thing that fascinated me this isn't a Trump thing necessarily because I think it's been throughout American media but the polarization of the news channels it's and mad. it's crazy and i think and being british I, I think if you watch fox you're probably right wing if you watch cnn you'll probably vote democrat but that was the most shocking thing for me the media i'm i'm not sure how much people took in of that actually american students themselves but for me that that, that was quite shocking i think largely a lot of um, the people i was surrounding myself with um they tried to distance themselves from what was going on just like I am in England <laughs> it's scary <laughs> you don't want to think about it obviously you have a lot of opinions and thoughts and views but I felt like they felt like they couldn't do anything about it necessarily at least in Oregon that was like very distanced from the political climate so yeah rejected what they have just rejected the TV <laughs> do you reckon some of the apathy we, we saw from white students was not apathy because they're, they're happy with it but apathy with their anger toward it and their fear of not being able to change anything. Well, also, just, you know, where it's like, to relate it to us, you know, when you just get tired of talking about Brexit, it's everything, mm. every day, that's all it is. And I wonder if it's like that. Because there was a point with, with Trump where it was just like something every hour, it felt like he, he had done something or said something, and it was just tiring to try and keep up with it all. Like, you try and keep up with the big things, so when, obviously, like, the travel ban came out or any of the really controversial stuff... But he seems to be on the news sort of every second of every day. And at first, it's quite it's almost quite entertaining at first to watch things like Fox, because I feel like we don't really have anything like that here. And it's almost like quite entertaining. But then after a while, it's just kind of tiring and kind of sad. And you kind of just want to live your normal life. But maybe that's because, again, us being British students there, it doesn't affect us as directly in the same way as it affects those people. So it's also easier for us to say, well, I'm just not going to think about it because at the end of the day, it wasn't really going to infringe on our life because we knew we were all coming back here at the end of the year. So, mm. But it, after a while, it did get a bit tiring, <laughs> I found anyway. So I'm wondering what you noticed about protest while you were there because the same time as kind of it's this beginning of kind of the Trump administration, there was also kind of quite a few um, organized protests during this time as well. Did you see any, participate any um, while you were there? So I went to the Women's March in Sacramento in January, which was an amazing experience. I stayed with my friend in Davis and her mum is super involved in like a women's organization, which was really incredible to actually be part of that and be marching with a group. Um, and it was interesting how you know, the Women's March has become, you know, a march against Trump. It's, you know, it's kind of got two uses. It's yes to celebrate women and like women's rights and stuff and make and women's rights under this administration. But it has also turned into like just an anti-Trump march as well. Um, and I found that really interesting. And yeah, it was just 
yeah I don't know I don't know I think it also really solidified in my mind how much women's rights is such an issue under this administration perhaps mm-hmm. more than any other administration in the past like 20 years perhaps yeah yeah I mean there was all there was a big women's march in Chicago as well um and it was I sort of could look outside my bedroom window and it would be um right outside my window because I was so central in downtown but it was just the amount of people there was yeah. was quite shocking like it was huge amounts of people because Chicago as a city is very anti-Trump like they've made it very clear that he is not welcome there um like he's got a Trump tower there and I would see people taking pictures um flipping the bird at the at the <laughs> tower um they were not they were not a fan of him um I know it's sort of a sanctuary city Chicago so we had uh, demonstrations against ICE as well and that sort of thing um but yeah the amount of people it was it was quite nice to see that actually like the women's march, march especially had thousands and thousands of people like we all got emails from the university saying if you want to go along like you can meet here we'll all go along as a group but I could have just walked outside my building and I would have been in it like it was just right there in front of you um but it was nice to see so many people out against it because in Chicago especially is Illinois is a blue state but it's in the midwest surrounded by a sea of red states so it's quite an unusual one but it is definitely because Chicago is so democratic kind of pulls away from the midwest stereotype because it's neighboring states like wisconsin and minnesota not quite the same vibe i don't think (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i i felt the same like so i was pretty much sport for choice in terms of which women's march to go to which was (laughs) a very amazing place to be and you know whether i went to the one in san francisco in berkeley if i went to sacramento but there was something really powerful about being at the state capitol and marching towards the state capitol building that was really really incredible but i think one of the things like if i you know if i have one criticism of the women's march and my personal experience of it might have been different for you because of the demographic of the area but was that it is a very much like a white women's thing um and i don't know why that is you know is it that like non-white women feel alienated from a lot of the groups i don't know i don't know what it is but I think that is something that needs to be reflected on, especially because out of all of, you know, women of colour are perhaps the ones that are most vulnerable under this administration. Yeah. And white women, weren't they the group that, like, voted for Trump the most? Yes. Like, they had a really high percentage, and same in the midterm elections as well. Yeah. So white women have been very much complicit in this administration. And then, yeah, it just, for me personally, it felt like a very white thing. Thank you all. So just one final question. I'm just wondering, kind of, after spending, you all spent kind of a full year in America, what did your conceptions of kind of America, American politics of Trump um, change in kind of significant ways? What did you kind of, as you left at the end of your study abroad, how did you perhaps think differently about these things than you had when you first arrived? Um, before I went out there, and I think many, many English people still now who have not been to America do, um, don't get it. Um, they judge and they point their finger and they say, what the heck is going on there? It's a, it's a joke. Um, all these negative thoughts and assumptions and judgments, but being there and traveling and moving around and speaking to people, you, it, I finally am starting to understand how and why Trump got in. 
um, such a large country, how can you govern like 50 different countries in one? There's obviously going to be disagreements, um, ranging opinions. It's just an impossible situation. And I think, yeah, until you live there and experience it, like any country, you, you'll never under, you'll never understand. I totally agree with that. Um, I think initially, like you said, how how on earth can the apprentice, the guy from the Apprentice, get elected? I totally see it now. Um, I, I the amount of people you speak to that are so passionate about what he's done and what he stands for, and the kind of I don't want to say panda, but the kind of electorate he panders to. When you speak to them, you see how well he's kind of manipulating their thoughts and how he is winning their vote. So I think coming back on the plane going phew I'm away from that now for a bit and then Brexit happens but that's a whole different podcast um, I just think I get it now I get how he got elected and I honestly see it I don't see a way of, of someone defeating him in, in 2020 I can see him having one more term unless something drastic happens in the next few years yeah I think coming back with the understanding that it wasn't extreme radical Republicans who voted him in necessarily. It was people that are like me, that were brought up in the same way as me and, you know, they look like me and stuff like that. Like, that was kind of maybe the most terrifying thing because I think it was very easy to sit here, like, all those miles away and think, oh, well, this is just something that's being, that's caused by a very extreme group of people, but that's not the case. That's that's probably what terrified me the most and probably what I came to realise um so there's just everyday people it's college students who you know like what he said about taxes and you know it's people that believe that they're self-made and they want to keep that you know things like that i think yeah i think that's what i came away from my year abroad realizing about american politics and that is not something that inspires much hope like dan was saying because how do you if it's everyday people how do you how do you change that yeah, I think for me, and this is something that I remember even when I started um, studying America studies at university, This, the I feel like the American identity, the way they view themselves is so intrinsic to like their everyday life. Like I remember when we were first would talk about the concept of the American dream and thinking like this is such a bizarre thing that people believe in this and they they properly believe in it. And I was like, I feel like that's not what it's like in England. And I, and I feel like it was just the American identity and like what trump represents less so than his like politics it just think that that is what's important to people like i i found it quite bizarre um but you know that america is a strange place but like matilda said like there's so many people there like it, it almost makes sense that someone like this would get in like you you tend to just hear what you want to hear so you see the the politicians that you like and the people that you agree with but there are a lot of people especially like in the midwest um in that sort of middle bit that no one thinks about because it's not la or it's not new york that are probably dissatisfied and like with the economy and they they see something in him like he's very symbolic as a president i think that's what i came to realize it's not even necessarily about his politics because he's not really a politician it's what he represents for people and that's what they find important we might not agree with that but that's what they want in their leader so like you can't really argue with that <laughs> well thank you all so much for joining us today that was really interesting to hear about your experiences um, and thank you so much for tuning in to Trump Watch Sussex. We'll be back with another episode again soon. Mm -hmm.